Hi, and welcome to season seven of the Dying to Ask podcast, The Road to Tokyo. What a road it's been, like worst road ever, like ways you let me down. Now, personally, I never thought at the beginning of the pandemic that the Olympics would be delayed. I really didn't. So like early March, I remember thinking, how could you possibly stop a machine like the Olympics? And the Olympics is definitely a machine. But I also thought I was going to be home for two weeks flattening the curve. So, you know, I was wrong on a lot of things around that time, as many of us were. So this episode is going to set up where we're going in season seven. I am all in on Dying to Ask staying as a show to motivate, inspire, get you off your butt. Poor man's Tony Robbins, Rachel Hollis without all the controversy. And the Olympics, I really believe, is going to be a good way to continue this theme. So for those of you who do not know, the Olympics is my professional passion. I have gone to the last 10 Olympics for Hearst Television. I have had the privilege of getting to report from all over the world. Um, let me go through them. Let's see if I can rattle through them real quick. Sydney, Salt Lake City, Athens, Greece, Torino, Italy, Beijing, China, Vancouver, Canada, London, probably the best one, Sochi, Russia, not the best one. Rio de Janeiro, surprising and super fun. And then most recently, Pyeongchang, South Korea, super cold, but really fun too. So the Olympics is really the thing that I could talk all day on. It is the thing that has shaped my adult life. It is that thing I find meaning from for almost anything. I have an Olympic story. And I meet a lot of people who say, I don't know, the Olympics is just a commercialized, made-for-TV event. It's not what it used to be. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I don't care. I really don't. Because to me, it is still pure magic. It is a couple of weeks when the world comes together and we cheer on people who have spent their entire lives with one dream that often gets tested on one day, possibly heartbreakingly, in one minute. And we get behind them. We get behind people we don't know, kids a lot of the time, whose sweat we've never seen, whose passion we really don't get. But we cheer them on. We cheer for our country. We Google, where is that country? And this year, more than any year, I feel like we need an Olympics. I know I do. So season seven episodes are going to be going deep into Olympic mindset and the resilience that these athletes have. And that's why we have this show in the self-improvement category on the podcast platforms. You're going to be hearing how America's elite athletes have spent the last year, spoiler alert, not in stretchy pants, and you're going to learn how they continue to focus, to fine tune, and to keep their dreams alive. We'll continue this conversation in just a minute, but first I want you to listen to my new Olympic trailer. The trailer is what you call this little pre-produced number. Olympians, they're just different. Sure, they're fitter and faster, but they're mentally different too. Because when the body breaks down, the Olympic mindset takes over. And this year, with the first ever delayed Olympics, that mindset is more important than ever. My name is Deirdre Fitzpatrick, and I have covered the last 10 Olympics for Hearst Television. 20 years of studying and, well, obsessing about how Olympians do life. These are the stories of how Team USA's athletes get to the top of a podium and how you can get some Olympic edge in your life coming out of one of the most challenging years ever for all of us. This is Dying to Ask, The Road to Tokyo. Love the new Olympic trailer. Thank you, Brian Lau, editor extraordinaire. And also, fun fact, the person who sends me more awesome Olympic links, articles in the middle of the night than probably anyone else. And they're always winners. So thank you, Brian, on that. 
Delaying the Olympics a year changed a lot of things for a lot of athletes, and for some of them, it meant that they were just out of contention. Pursuing an Olympic dream is expensive in a lot of ways. So most athletes are in their early 20s, which is usually, not always, but usually when adulting starts. But if you're trying to medal in throwing a javelin, spiking a volleyball, following the black line in a pool, it's kind of hard to have a job. So a lot of people end up living like a college student well past being a college student. Training is a full-time job, and unlike a lot of other countries, American Olympians don't get a big fat salary to continue doing that. Some of them have big sponsorships like a Simone Biles, a Katie Ledecky, a Ryan Lochte, but, and that was despite the whole bathroom fiasco. He's still doing just fine, by the way. That was that big thing he got into in the Rio Olympics. But the reality is that most Olympic hopefuls and Olympians barely scratched by. So delaying a year was a game changer for some of them who couldn't afford to hang in there any longer because they have student loans to pay. Maybe they don't have families who can help support them. And they just really couldn't delay starting a career. Um, some of them maybe had delayed starting a family and they didn't want to wait any longer. But then there's just time itself. Now, personally, I have aged 20 years in one year from stress. Kidding, but not really. Olympic hopefuls have aged a year, a real year, and that can be good or that can be bad. So let's take, say, Simone Biles as an example. Her birthday, she has a problematic birthday when it comes to the Olympics. Now, she's the best of all time, but if I take you back to 2012, she was only 15 years old. So because of her age, she didn't get to compete in London, but she did get to go to Rio at 19 and obviously killed it. But most gymnasts, female gymnasts, are done with the sport by the time they're 20. So her staying on a year and looking at Tokyo, which she is at 24, she will tell you, I'm like the grandma of the team. I mean, she's only 24. But for her sport, it's considered on the older side. Now, she is a grandma who could kick your butt, but adding a year, even if you're Simone Biles, is a big deal. But it can work in reverse as well, because there are athletes who aged up a year in experience and maturity who now maybe have a shot who wouldn't have had a shot last year. So it's kind of, it can go both ways on that. I've stayed in touch with a lot of athletes over the last year, mainly through social media. And it's been interesting to see how they've been training without gyms, pools, their teams. And so those are some of the stories that you're going to hear in upcoming episodes. But the biggest thing you're going to hear from all of them is how they kept their head together. Because the body goes where the mind takes it. Think about that. The body goes where the mind takes it. When you think you can't, you can't. When you think you can, you at least might, and you often will. So it was critical that athletes train the mind as hard as they trained their bodies over the last year. They respected the stress that all of us have been living under, and they've had to learn to control what they can. I mean, that's my favorite sentence these days, control what you can, C-W-Y-C-E. I don't have tattoos, but if I did, I would probably those be those initials. Now, all of this is not to say that staying positive is easier if you are an elite athlete because you're just tough. If anything, it's actually harder because what happens is you start to question a life of sacrifice for a dream. And a lot of them have admitted that they have been in some dark places over the last year. And that's why last fall, the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee announced a new emphasis on mental health. 
and it named mental health ambassadors, and it even set up a crisis hotline for athletes, and it's answered 24-7 through an app. They're going to have mental health experts who go with the Olympic team to Tokyo for the first time ever. First time they're doing that. Seems interesting now in retrospect that they haven't done it before, but um, they will be with them, not only to handle the stress of being in that environment, but the stress of not having their families there to watch them compete, which is huge, just huge. So in this season, season seven, we are going to learn how athletes are staying on track, how they've stayed positive, and find out what we can learn from them in the process. You're gonna hear some good stories, some funny stories of things they have done in the last year to try to stay in shape, I mean, weird workouts. But I hope that what you'll be inspired to do is to take on your own kind of Olympic challenge this summer. I mean, I'm not throwing, talking throwing the javelin. This could be just committing to going for a walk three days a week, right? It could be choosing to get out of bed by a certain time every day. I mean. Your challenge is your challenge. So this season's episodes are going to be designed to go about a half hour. And I'm gonna challenge you to maybe exercise while you're listening. It could be a walk, a run, lifting weights, you name it. Share the show, review it on your favorite podcast platform, and please do not hesitate to reach out with what you would like me to cover over the next couple of months. The easiest way to do that is to direct message me on Instagram. You'll find me at runreadsip. Thank you for listening to season seven of the Dying Desk podcast, The Road to Tokyo. I am really excited, as I always am, to share Olympic stories with you.